This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo irarangi o natangata o Manawatu. It is a Wednesday morning. Uh, you'll forgive me if I'm a little uh, off the ball this morning. Uh, the Arena Summer Soccer Series has started again. Uh, NPR has, as usual, a team in it, and I ran around like a nut job for forty minutes, and I am feeling it this morning. Uh, but hopefully, someone uh, acting a little more professionally than me, Matt Dallas, uh, regional. Uh, editor for stuff and thus the man with two standard good morning to you good morning fraser uh and so let's have a look at what you've been uh, reporting on in the past week or so um well i say the past week or so last night uh something very unusual for palmerston north happened and, and we had a shooting yeah we had a shooting in, in highbury um and we managed to get our news director she we get got out on the scene fairly, fairly quickly and um tried to speak to a few people but um yeah, there's a few people in the street who were quite shaken up. Um, not a fatal shooting, but we do understand someone was yeah, shot in the head. And um, yeah, we're trying to get a status update this morning. Yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of breaking news, really. But um, it doesn't happen very often. But sadly, it seems to be in the sort of area one would would expect. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I suppose Highbury does have a little bit of a, uh, a past, I suppose, when when something uh, like this does happen. Well, that's the thing. It has yeah. a past. But, I mean, it's, it, Highbury has turned around dramatically in the past. Well, certainly in the past 14, 15 years that I've been in Palmerston North, that even in that short space of time it's turned around. But there just still seems to be pockets of this sort of activity going on. Yeah, at this point, yeah, it's, and it's pure speculation in terms of the, the, the cause and whether it's a, a, True. a personal altercation or or something that's a bit more planned. And that's why I have opinions and you are a professional re- reporter and editor and, and wait for the facts. Um, stuff that uh, has been uh, sort of hanging around a, a bit longer, though, uh, in terms of the stories. Let's start with uh, Longburn. Longburn having a, a hard time with the, the boy racers. George uh, Hegney reported on this one. Uh, seemingly... The, the boy racers have sort of congregated in Longburn because there's what, no police presence there? Well, I think they've, they've found, found a, um, a, a pocket of, uh, of roading that, that works for them where there's probably a bit of a um, not much traffic. Mm-hmm. They can kind of block it off and use it late at night. Um, I'd say certainly it's not – it is to some people's um, chagrin because um, the local residents have had – they just get sleepless nights and mm-hmm. they had another one on the weekend – um, the police did, I think, impound two cars and make three arrests from from uh, from this this past um, skid party, as they call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's cold comfort, I think, for the community who have just been fed up for some time and they've gone to the council. Uh, the council and the police are talking. I know we had a rec- an earlier story where the police um, gave a comment around that they don't want to put their officers at risk. Um, I think due to the, the numbers of police that they could send out compared mm-hmm. to the amount of Young people and the and the cars who are out there and uh, yeah, I mean a lot of our reporters um, readers jumped on that in mm. terms of well, heck, what are they there for? But um, I can understand the police don't necessarily want to go into this with 
you know, with the batons and right gear. Um, no. For what is a skid party, it's not like um, three something super violent, but I can, yeah, at the same time, certainly appreciate that the people of Longburn deserve to sleep at night. And, and it brings up, I mean, we've, we've seen attempts in the past, uh, and even uh, people, I think there was a farmer, wasn't there once, who offered to basically concrete a paddock and let people go hard out, but, you know, couldn't get planning permission for it. So th- there needs to be somewhere, for, I mean, the kids are going to do this regardless, so, that, you know, you, you'd hope there would be a place for it. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's something that, I guess, comes in cycles every, I don't know, five, six years, the... Um, the you know doing the donuts and the boy races kind of I don't know whether in between they find somewhere where not where they're not bothering anyone but it comes up every now and again and we get, do get councils or individuals suggesting uh, putting in a skid pad but ultimately someone has to take I think responsibility yeah. and liability for for one and I guess if something was to go wrong with them um, certainly every council would be pretty I think hesitant to. Um, take on that role. Uh, it, it, it's somewhat surprising that this hasn't been solved yet because this is a problem as old as the automobile itself. As soon as there was an automobile, there was someone going, how can I make this do things it wasn't necessarily designed to do? And yet we still don't have any sort of space for it. Um, I mean, one would uh, instinctively look towards Manfield. Have Manfield looked at this sort of thing? Um, I'd have, have no idea, but I guess it's Half the appeal probably is that it's it's kind of uh, late at night. It's mm. um, you know there's no watchdogs. You're not having to pay a ticket. Um, it's just you know you and your friends and um, you know not getting caught. Maybe is probably part of the thrill. I mean we've all been teenagers. So. Yeah. So I guess that I mean as far as your readers are concerned, the next step is for the police to to create some sort of presence in Longburn for a while and 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 see if that dissipates the, the solution and moves it somewhere else. Yeah, and there's, there's been suggestions of a, some sort of keyless um, entry or like access to the road that only um, the businesses and the, and the residents um, can use, um, which I'm, I'm not sure how, how viable that is. Um, but there's certainly the suggestion that the frustrations are reaching the point where um, – yeah, I think someone may intervene with a mm. whether it's a bulldozer or a forklift or something, and um, yeah. you know, or block the road um, before they come along in, in the evening. Um, so, which is only going to lead to kind of a confrontation. So, yeah, and and it's not limited to Longburn either, because I mean, where I live out near Huanui, they you know they find the the quiet country roads where where no one in air quotes no one is on them because all it takes is for someone to come around the corner and things change uh, very quickly. But it strikes me that is it, so. This is a road as as part of the industrial state or something because I mean it, at the risk of sounding liberal uh, it sounds like a sensible place for them to go because they are off the beaten track and it is unlikely that they're going to cause any lasting damage yeah and it may be that they they think it's kind of a, a very quite unused road at night and so they feel like they probably have made a, a re- responsible choice I yeah suppose. and who but, doesn't like the sound of revving engines and the smell of tire smoke mm, early in the morning yeah, and there is uh they're certainly looking at the images of the amount of uh rubber and whatnot in the gutter it's mm. uh in the gutters it's certainly getting a pretty good workout but mm. um i guess there is uh there is businesses around there that do have uh late shifts and you know, I think we've spoken to someone, one employer who's had one case of a, a staff member coming in to work the late shift and couldn't 
couldn't get into work because oh. of the, the road was blocked off. Right. Um, okay. No. That. Well. That. That. That is a different matter entirely. You can't be. You can't be doing your own traffic management. People. There. There are council officers for that no. job. And I can. Um, I mean, I remember twenty twenty five years ago in Palmerston North. Uh, you get. Just um, a convoy of boy racers just going around the square and mm-hmm. just pretty much locking off the square. And that, that was a bit of a thing. And then it, I guess it died away and something else starts up. So, yeah, it is very uh, – yeah, there's kind of a cycle to it, I think. Well, if you want to read more, manawatu-standard.co.nz. Uh, George Hegney wrote that article. Uh, from one menace on the roads to another menace on the pavements, um, in some people's opinions. Uh, e-scooters arrived on Monday in Palmerston North. 600 of the things with another 200 touted for early next year. Um have, have, have you had feedback from your readers yet on, on just how much of a menace this is? Well, I think the feedback so far has very much been um, about the the fear of mm. um, what's going to happen. The, the, I, we, I have not heard any cases yet of um, altercations or accidents or ACC you know, from, claims. From the, yeah, from the first couple of days. So um, I think everyone, you know, take a breath and let's see what see what happens. So you see what yeah, the weekend brings. Yeah, the. The stats for ACC do make for probably a little bit of alarming reading when you look at other other cities where um, so they kind of shot up to you know up to about three thousand claims <sighs> in a year and then back down to about fifteen hundred and there there is bound to be that kind of uh, initial period of mm. um, of issues but there's you know, there's surely got to be plenty of co- um, pros in terms of um, just another form of activity and transport around the city that, you know, is not clogging the streets. Um, well, you say not clogging the streets, but uh, they are parked up on pretty much every street corner and uh, the palmy wind has been having its effect the past couple of days. I've seen a couple lying on the ground, which is one of the key concerns that the the people in the disability sector and certainly the blind sector had uh, real concerns about. Yeah, definitely. They've got to be pretty careful about where um, where the stations need to be. And and I've gone with my family to when we visited Wellington, and I've got fed up with um, having to you know almost tripping over mm. um, ones just left around the streets down down there. So, um, but the council seemed pretty confident that the conditions they've got in place can be reviewed and changed um, based on feedback and. Um, and, you know, and, and how people get on with them. The, the 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 permit that the council issued does seem to be incredibly restrictive in compare in comparison to other cities. There's the reduced speed limit in the city centre. There are places where you cannot uh, park the the scooters. And while someone might think, "Oh well, you, you say I can't, but I've stopped here and I'm just going to leave it here," it knows that that scooter has a brain and it's connected to the hive mind and it's going to know that you hired it, you left it there, and you will be penalised for it. So. So it, it, it should be easy to to manage this, shouldn't it? I mean, it's 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 all connected. Yeah, there is these incentives to I think doing the right thing and mm. taking them back to the right place, um, which you know money speaks uh, speaks to most of us, doesn't it? When it com- comes to that sort of thing, and um, I, but there is probably that initial fear. And if you've lived in a city which has had one, had like a a green bike um, initiative. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I remember the early days of those in, in certain cities where just you'd end up with bikes in the river and all that sort of thing. But um, there was obviously none of that level of uh, 
I, you know, I suppose IT and mm. um, GPS, that sort of aspect to it. So. Is, the, is this uh, being slightly conspiratorial for a, a moment? Do you feel that this might be uh, – admittedly, Horizons are the council that um, look after the buses, but Palmerston North City Council looking at the infrastructure that's there and going, the buses just aren't cutting it at the moment. We need another way for people to get around the city that isn't a car. Uh, do you think this is a sort of way of sort of privatising that problem and, and making it not the, the ratepayers' problem anymore? Well, it's, I'm not too sure whether the, I guess the users would be the same. Um, well, apparently there are concessions for gold card users, I yeah, read. Yeah, yes. There's the encouragement there, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it is in practicality. I mean, uh, your first thought is that the, I guess the e-scooters are going to appeal to, I suppose, university students or mm-hmm. y- younger people and maybe not, not necessarily the same people riding the bus. Um, I mean, how long would it take to scoot to Massey from the city centre? Maybe 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, well, I think once you – I think your speed limit would be able to go up to that 25 yeah. um, as you got down for Turpit, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, that might be about a 20-minute uh, roll, which, you know – So that's uh, – looking at it, it's about, it's about 40 – call it 40 cents for, for 10 minutes – that if, if for a minute, uh, that's eight bucks to get to Massey. That's not, com- it's certainly not comparable to a bus ticket. And is that affordable for a, a student on the ongoing? Uh, prob- probably not. Not certainly not through winter. I wouldn't have thought. But no. um, it's probably there's probably a bit of a novelty factor that. Um um, you know, a couple of friends might do it now and again on a nice day. Novelty uh, is the word with names like Beam, Lime and Flamingo. Uh, and I believe Blip or Flip is the one that's touted is coming next year, which means there would be 800 scooters in Palmerston North, which is one for every 100 residents. That's a bit much, isn't it? It seems that, yeah, it's going from yeah, zero to many uh, very, very quickly. But um, I guess that... The businesses will live on, live and or die on the, um, you know, supply versus demand, and maybe there won't be four operators in a few years' times. But um, we shall see. The one, one question I, I don't think I've had answered for me was whether they they run twenty four hours or whether they shut off at a certain time of yeah, night. Yeah, they, they shut off at nine o'clock. Oh, okay. Uh, this was the the thing because uh, we spoke to Frederick Conker about this from uh, Beam, the New Zealand expansion manager for Beam, uh, and the permit was originally going to be seven o'clock at night was the cut off point, but they managed to renegotiate that to nine o'clock. Um, but the the issue that the city council has is, of course, the hospitality industry and the, the people that thoroughly enjoy uh, certain uh, outlets, particularly on Main Street, uh, then jumping on scooters and, and, and causing havoc, uh, much like the uh, boy racers in Longburn. Um, so they've cut it off. But also there's um, technology that is coming to assess uh, how well you're riding. Uh, so Beam were talking about putting this thing that assesses if you're being overly aggressive uh, with your riding style and it will slow down and eventually stop. Uh, also maths equations to unlock them before you can actually ride them, which um, I, I, I think that's unfair to the likes of me who even when sober struggles with uh, arithmetic. Um, however, the e-scooters are here and the permits run till November next year. So we've got a year to see if this is going to work or not uh, and see just how many ACC claims there are. But thanks to Janine Rankin for writing that article. Again, manawatustandard.co.nz if you want to read that. We are here with Matthew Dan. 
Alice, regional editor for Stuff, um, if on the Catch Up this morning. If you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever you get your online listening. Uh, this was one of the most bizarre photographs I have seen in a number of years. Uh, Tararua councillors posing uh, for a photograph. Nothing unusual there so far. Uh, protesting the government's Three Waters uh, project. Again, not unusual in the current climate. In front of a sign basically calling the government communists. There's the thing that I thought was a little bizarre. Um, well, did, give us some background on this one. Uh, well, yeah, reporter Paul Mitchell was um, at, at the meeting last week and... Um yeah, I mean, he went off to the meeting. I don't think we were necessarily even at that time expecting um, the um, the news to drop about um, um, the mandate for Three mm. Waters. Um, and but yeah, soon became clear that it was going to be a talking point at the meeting. And I think yeah, I think someone just handed the councillors this uh, this sign and asked them to pose, which they were happy to do. So um, to, I mean, the mayor Tracy Collis doesn't look super comfortable <laughs> in, just... in the um, in the photo, but um, the point is, they're still in the photo. Paris, you're still in the photo, and um, you should try to, I think, explain the didn't necessarily agree with the context or the content of the of the sign, but it uh, then removed the sign. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is one of those things where com strategy. It's not rocket science. You can still do all that. Well, what was the actual wording of the sign? Um, it was keep the dirty commies out of our clean water. I just, so it's um, yeah, quite um, I know Trumpian, I suppose, and it's yeah. um, extreme um, statement. But I, I suppose it does. To, it captures the the level of um, frustration and um, I suppose um, hostile reaction from, from a lot of the local councils to the way they you know they feel they've been treated by by the government just bulldozing this. Um, this policy through. Mm. I, I mean, this is a, a bizarre situation with the whole three waters debate. And I, I actually, I can see both sides of the argument, which makes it very hard for me to interview people because I can see the merits of consistent standards and consistent water across the country. It doesn't matter where you live or how rich or poor you are, you would have access to the same quality water. That's great. Um, but councils feeling that that's their job and what will they do if they don't do that anymore and if they've put a lot of work into it, having that taken away. Although I think that's kind of a weak argument because apparently government will be reimbursing or taking on the debt for all that work that that has been done. So I feel that's kind of a moot point. Um, But still... It, it does raise questions, and there is local government reform happening as well, isn't there, around the function of local government, and certainly under a Labour government, it looks like we're going to be moving away from that sort of infrastructure focus to the four well-beings. Yeah, quite quite possibly, and um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, hard to know where one thing could lead to another, but I know when the, when the Three Waters proposal first came out, my, you know, my mind quite quickly went to, well, you, you know, you take the size of part of the business away from the councils, do we then go back to um, reviewing and discussing just how many councils we have and mm-hmm. whether some could be um, you know, pulled together and do we really need, you know, it's a lot, there's a lot of district councils, particularly, you know, including in our patch. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we, we've got uh, certainly from from here, Tararua, Horofenua, Rangitiki, we've got Manawatu, and then you've got the City Council, you've got Horizons Regional Council, all over that. There does seem to be a few layers of bureaucracy, though, which would, would lead you to look at local government reform, because it's a, it's a creaky old beast sometimes. Yes, and I mean, it was the, obviously the Auckland super, super City, which kind of sparked then sparked discussions about, you know, whether something similar should be done in Wellington, and then it gets talked about uh, in different pockets of, of, of the country. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that comes up again mm-hmm. um, for, for another look, Pat. But I can certainly appreciate the um, the frustrations from the likes of the Manawatu Council where, you know, they've invested heavily in their, in their um, water facilities, um, whereas, you know, they could have, in hindsight, maybe would have been better off, um, you know, putting in that investment Elsewhere, and if they the knew. garden nursery, maybe making that turn a profit. That would um, be good. Yeah, well, that would be uh, that would be nice. <laughs> um, it's it's not going well for the government at the moment. I have to say, just looking at things like this, being accused by as communists uh, in the uh, the photograph, they are also Jacinda being heckled around the uh, somewhat. Uh, not relevant uh, Palestine-Israel situation when she was discussing things at a press conference yesterday. Uh, the, the wheels are starting to fall off, aren't they? At the tail end, everyone's just had enough of COVID. I suppose it wouldn't matter who was in office. Everyone would still be kind of narked off, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think it's, they're just um, like getting worn down to the nub, I think. Um, and, you know, I can appreciate the COVID, the COVID battle was such a... It's such a behemoth, and mm. it just makes I think the focus on anything else um, extremely difficult. Um, so yeah, certainly don't um, don't envy them. But no. um, yeah, uh, the, the, the accusations of no plan, no plan, always amuse me because it's not like there's a playbook for what we're going through at the moment. Uh, although I, I, I remember. Um, during the first lockdown, speaking to Mayor Grant Smith uh, about the, the lockdown and going, and, and of course, Grant, you, you would have had a pandemic plan. And he said, yes, we got it out the draw, blew the dust off it, went, that's not working at all, threw it away and started again. Mm. I think that's what most people have done because it's just, it's, it's just a bizarre time at the moment. Uh, we are here with Matthew Dallas. We've got a few minutes left on the catch-up this morning, looking at what the Manawatu Standard's been reporting on. And uh, George Hegney again, a busy man this week. Um, Massive PhD students fight for inclusion in immigration visa fast track. This is the new thing the government brought out, wasn't it, to try and solve some of the immigration situation? Yeah, there's obviously quite a backlog, and this is brought into fast track some short, short-term um, residency, give some certainty to people. Mm. Um, he spoke to a couple from um, from Palmerston North, who were originally from China, and um, I think Lily, the, one of the one, one of them was um, she's been here doing a PhD. Um, been here for some time. They've had their children here, so their children see themselves as, I suppose, Kiwis, mm-hmm. and the parents see them as Kiwis. The family sees themselves as Kiwis, but um, cannot get any certainty from the um, from the immigration department on um, whether you know why she's been turned down. I suppose for or not considered for this uh, fast track um, sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, consider it's just really, I guess, frustrating for them and. I th- yeah, the immigration and the government just need to, um, I think, just give more certainty. It's, it's one thing to be denied, and it's another to have, have no real idea why you were denied um, so, in I mean, terms are, of the criteria. Are they sitting on the potential for deportation? I mean, could they wake up one day to a letter in the mailbox saying time to go? I mean, well, obviously not right now because you, know, you can't leave. But uh, at some point, well, you can leave. But at, at some point... As you say, no certainty. What, what, I mean, how uncertain are they? Yeah, well, I mean, she, she's here studying her, her PhD, so I think as long as she's doing that, um, 
should should be okay. But um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know long term what um, what the situation is. They um, they face. I mean, she's yeah, still still on the student student visa, and um, but I mean, the so, circumstances at the different universities are changing. Yeah, so I mean, is month. is that uncertainty? If you're on a student visa and you're studying your PhD, um, that isn't uncertain, is it? Has she applied for something else to 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 move on? Is that where the uncertainty is? Because I mean, the student visa, yeah, you come and study here, and then you go back home, please and thank you. That's kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah, I guess the, um, I think they're looking to you know to, to seek permanent residency, and um, I guess trying to identify a path to it, mm-hmm. uh, which um, I guess they currently um, isn't one. Yes, so, <laughs> that's um, so. I think the uncertainty is more probably in, in, in the long term. Fair enough. Uh, we've got time for one more uh, story the, this morning. We're sort of coming full circle uh, back to the roads. Uh, Janine Rankin uh, managed to get the the, the detail. This was. Terrifying. Um, I can't remember what road it was on, but basically two cars coming from uh, each direction and something came out of one car and through the windows of the car coming the other way. Uh, terrifying experience, I would think, for the drivers of the, the car that the, the object, the mystery object hit. Yes, yes. So this was um, on Monday, but just near Fielding, near the state, on, uh, just near the state highway, um, where a van was driving along and a um, some object from oncoming vehicle was, I guess, chucked out the window, went through the front windscreen, went out the back windscreen, um, which kind of uh, signals, the, I suppose, the impact and velocity mm. of it. Um, but still, you know, no word from police on um, identifying what this object was, but it was obviously hard enough to, uh, you know, shatter through two two sets of windows. And, um, yeah, I think, that, you know, so the driver was treated for – or two people in the, in the van were treated for injuries, but thankfully mm-hmm. – um, and shock, no, probably. Yeah, and shock, but nothing too um, super serious, from what I understand. But and probably um, a change of underwear as well. I would imagine. It makes me think of every every time the um, you know you're in the car with children and the the idea of you know throwing the apple out the window sort of mm-hmm. thing. And even then, it's just no, no, no. You wait till on a country road and there's no other traffic around because you just never know what what's going to be picked up. And back in a, a previous life, I was a truck driver in the UK, and I have I've. I've Witnessed a lot of things like this, and it, and some of these things have happened to me as well. And it is it's just terrifying when something like that happens. A the the shock of the incident itself, but also somebody did that. You know, that, I mean that that that's 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 attempted murder, really, when you think about it. You well, there's certainly the, have to be the suspicion that it was done intentionally mm. and um, with cause to, you know, probably not the. You know, probably someone who wasn't thinking and thought it would be I don't know, a bit of a laugh. It's a bit like someone dropping something off a bridge, isn't it? And for, for traffic, it's um, but the consequences can be um, horrendous, horrendous, disgusting, mm-hmm. and uh, shouldn't be done. Um, just uh, I'm going to hijack this uh, slightly because today MPR is working with Palmerston North City Council and Riverstop Stories. We're going to be at Boho Cafe between one and three o'clock this afternoon uh, as part of Local Histories Week. Is the standard doing anything for Local Histories Week? Um, I know we did just have a um, on our new feature that replaced Memory Lane back issues that mm-hmm. ran on Saturday. We had a bit of a preview or um, touching on some of the um, events that are, going, that are going to be happening. And I think I saw somewhere there's going to be some projection work 
think it's tonight and tomorrow. Check your Facebook events, people. But um, they're projecting onto Square Edge uh, heritage photos and things uh, onto the this, this, the facade of the, that's the word I was looking for, the facade of the building. So that should be pretty neat. Lots going on uh, for local history week. But yes, uh, NPR will be at uh, Boho Cafe in Awapuni between one and three uh, celebrating local history week. You are encouraged to dress up and enjoy high tea. So make sure you are there for that. Uh, Matthew Dallas from the Manawatu Standard Regional Editor. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Back tomorrow with Helen Warboys from Manawatu District Council at half past eight. And of course, Friday we'll have Tangi Utakeri, MP for Palmerston North. Join us then. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.